This episode of JJ Meets World is brought to you by Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. Listen, folks, Natalie's got a great track record when it comes to selling homes. On average, she's moving homes for $4,000 or more above the list price, plus she's selling homes in less than the market average. What does that mean for you? It means you don't have to keep your house clean all the time if you're selling it. If you're a buyer, no one wants to wait around for a year, two years to find the perfect home. Natalie is going to work her tail off to make sure that she finds you the right home at the right price, and she's going to represent you through the entire buying process. So it's kind of like holding a hand to get across the street. Natalie is going to be that Girl Scout who grabs your hand, pushes the walk button, gets you across the street and then points you down the street to where you need to go. If you're selling a home, Natalie is an amazing person to represent you. She's going to keep you top of mind on all these search engines, all the stuff that you have to worry about. Don't worry. Natalie's going to take on that headache. You don't have to deal with it. So get a hold of Natalie today because on average, she sells a home every 3.74 days. That's two homes a week. Sometimes uh, Natalie's selling enough property to make you think that she's an entire team herself. But no, she is the Wonder Woman of local real estate agents. Natalie Deutsch, 701-388-9338. You can also get a hold of her via email, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, at hatchrealityfm.com. Or you can go to the Hatch Realty website, livefargomorehead.com. That is livefargomorehead.com. And hey, start packing. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, podcast listener. Whenever you're consuming this podcast, you've chosen a very interesting episode with Mr. George Ellis, the commissioner of the Computer Baseball League. It is fantasy football for baseball on a computer. I had a computer like this that I could only play Reader Rabbit. And if you played that game, you and I are now best friends. Plus, I tell Tucker why, what I really think about the movie Fargo and the reputation it has given to the upper Midwest. So, folks, you're already listening. Enjoy the rest of this episode. It's JJ Meets World. One, two, three, four. JJ Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always sniffing out his next adventure. Yes, he is. He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. JJ has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called JJ Meets World. I was given a little tiny spoon today at an event. It's a little wooden spoon. I judged a hot dish competition, not a casserole, hot dish competition. In our neck of the woods here in Fargo, now people listening to this in Fargo and the surrounding areas know what a hot dish is, but for our listeners in New York State, West Virginia, California, Utah, Texas, Kansas, Arkansas, South Carolina, Vermont, Rhode Island, the District of Columbia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You call it a casserole, which essentially is a baking dish that contains the entire meal itself. We call it hot dish because it's a hot food served out of a dish. Now, you probably call that dish a pan. We call it a baking dish. 
here. And I, I bring this up because a couple of people have commented to me about how one of the reasons they enjoy this podcast is because we sound so simple in how we describe things yes. in our lives here. I don't care for that. I know you meant it as a compliment, but I did not take it as one. <laughs> real uh, salt of the earth people. Real right? salt of the earth. You know, you know th- this is real America. You know what? I'm 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 actually sitting here in awe right now mm. for a locally produced Fargo based podcast. It took us 95 episodes to get to an intro where we're talking about the whole hot dish or casserole. I know thing. And here's the thing. I didn't think we ever had to bring that up because I don't feel like that is what defines who I am. But like I said, I've had some people (laughs) who told me they listen to this cute little Midwest podcast waiting for me to say, you betcha. And I'm tired of it. It's like, do you listen to a podcast for, uh, with people in New Jersey and you want to be like, Oh, hold on. We got to, you know, get some wise guys in here and you know, knock over a, a friggin' Circle K. No, that's not the way I we operate here. But that being said, anybody who's ever been offended by the movie Fargo and like that's not really what it's like. Right. You haven't seen that movie because that is exactly what it's like. Right. The the conversation that takes place at the end of a driveway while one person's shoveling and it's well, yeah, you know, I saw him over there and that is exactly what it is like. I agree. Here. I and, agree. And I love it. We should lean into it a little bit more as like a region. Right. Well, and have like at the same time I kind of feel like we have leaned into Fargo the movie a bit over so? the past. I mean, we've got like a day for it. We've got a statue of Margie. Yeah, but Margie. But at remember, the, people outside of the area gave us You know, the, it's named after this town. Yeah. I mean, we're leaning into it pretty hard as it is. Well, if we anything, didn't name, we didn't name the town after in, the movie. In fact, I think we could lean back a bit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think we could. Okay, stop patting ourselves on the back for the fact that that yeah, like a really 1997 awesome was a Coen's great year at the Oscars, wasn't it? Is named after the town we live in, which it barely even takes place in. Are you saying that Miller's Creek, anywhere in the United States, doesn't <laughs> lean into their? Cohen brothers. I'm not saying I'm not saying they don't. I'm saying I'd be surprised if they did it more than we do. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, teach his own. <laughs> teach his own, right? Um, it doesn't get more Midwestern though than a gentleman who is every single year putting in hours upon hours upon hours of work to keep a 1980s. DOS-based computer game going. I love this episode. Today's episode is great. George Ellis is our guest. George Ellis used to be the sports information director at NDSU, and we get into what that title exactly means, but he also is the commissioner of the CBL, the Computer Baseball League. And what it is, it's an old video game program that was on uh, computers back in the day, like when a floppy disk was actually, what, like five inches tall right. like a I, really huge I, disc i want to say the first edition of this particular game came out between 85 and 87 at some point so we're talking a thir- 30 year plus because right. this is the 32nd year of the cbl at right the time of this recording right. every year george goes in and updates the stats and adds the players so it's current you're not playing only with 1980s ball players you're playing with today's ball players on their team you draft them like fantasy football yep 
And every Wednesday night, they get together in George's basement. Yeah, there's about 10 of them, he said. And you get to see how these games play out. And, you know, each one of them, they take turns bringing in the meals. So when the hot dish comes. After we recorded this episode, I talked to some of the people George mentions who are in the CBL, and they light up like a pinball machine. I am amazed at how dedicated these people are and how much thought they put into their yearly drafts. Well, I mean, you play a regular Dungeons & Dragons game. Correct. I mean, that's effectively the same thing. It's a simulation game. It's a strategy simulation game. And in this particular instance, instead of elves and dwarves and bards, there's pitchers and catchers, and you are the general manager of your team. So, yeah, I I was really looking forward to talking with George. I actually found the story. I actually talked about it a bit in the podcast. So I've, I've wanted to meet George for a while, and I'm really glad that I did. And I had so much fun starting the day talking with him. So listen, listen, okay, everybody, just sit back, relax. Maybe if you're listening to this out on the boat or maybe you're in an ice house, wherever you are, and just enjoy this episode of J.J. Meets World. You betcha. J.J. Meets World. Let's uh, let's get right into this thing and tell people about the Computer Baseball League. <laughs> well, pleasure to be here, number one. And uh, uh, this is a kind of a deal that we started about, uh, well, third, this is our 32nd year. And we've had over 60 different uh, people be members of our league. Um, it's it's a, kind of a fun deal, you you get together and we have a computer set up. My wife has helped build uh, some stadiums we have in our at my house. We've got um, a big wall of uh, uh, where our computers sit and all kinds of memorabilia and everything. And we have uh, three or four, depending upon what the situation is. We have sometimes we have four computers up and going. <clears throat> we have. Um, Guys come in. There's 10 guys right now that are in the league. We've had as many as 16 in the season. And what we do is every Wednesday night is we have a bunch of guys come to my house. We have a set of games that go at 6.30 in the evening. And it takes about an hour, hour and a half maybe to play the games. It depends if you get Jack Michaels doing the games, they're quick. Because yeah. he's just pushing <laughs> buttons like crazy. And it's it's a fun league. Um, we have dinners, everybody, um, during the season has to cook twice, bring dinner. So, uh, we do that. And then in the, at eight o'clock, another set of series are being played. We play three games at a time. And what you do is you play it on the computer. You have, uh, we've had a draft and you, I've got all the, uh, computer information, um, stats put in for, each of the individual players, and we draft major league players. Okay, so um, they're all in there, and it's 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 not a hand-eye coordination deal. It's it's strategy, right? It's uh, you're all basically playing the role of managers, right? Right. It's it's like uh, well, I was the head baseball coach at North Dakota State. Okay, so I can't play for the players. But I, I can flash the signs and tell them what I want them to do, and I can position them on defense where, where we want them and, and uh, different things like that. I can flash hit and run if I want to hit and run or, you know, whatever I want to, want to do. You do the same thing here. It's like being a manager 
of a, a baseball team. You can't play for them, but you can you can put them in the right positions. So that's what happens. The computer plays it out for you. You get you get a one code, one button, or a three button code. You can do. I try to mix it up a little bit so if somebody's watching somebody's fingers on the keyboard <laughs> they can't you know, necessarily they can't, pick up yeah, what all the yeah, codes can't, are can't pick up what's happening so it's a one or a three digit code and uh, you put it in your opponent puts his in if you're on offense he puts his defense in and the game plays it out for you on the screen huh. and you only get usually one one key for an at, at bat so you know, it's not like we're no we're not going pitch by pitch. Some of the early versions of the game uh, had that, where you could go you know three or four times in the in the game, you could go pitch by pitch, and that was kind of fun. But you know, as as the uh, program evolved, um, different things disappeared and other things came in. The last version of this game, I think, was in 1992. So I've been. What's the name of the software? It's Mike. Uh, Micro League Baseball. Micro League Baseball. Who who made the game? Remember the name? You know, I can't remember who. I don't I'll look have it up the here box. Really quick. I I had actually. You can get some of them on, um, um, you know, off the internet. You can buy the game. It's so, no longer produced. So did you get into this right away in the ninth, like in the mid nineteen eighties when this game first came out? Eighty eight. We got the first version. So and you so you've I've been doing this every for thirty one thirty one years. This is our thirty second year. Oh man, holy cats. I can't think of anything that I know that people have stayed passionate about for this long. I mean, I, I remember hearing about how long has your Dungeons and Dragons thing uh, campaign been going? Four on? years. Four years. And to me that was amazing. I, I know. Thought, Oh, four years? That's crazy. Yeah, and thirty-two years is fantastic. Well, and they do all the work for me with D and D. They send me the books, and all I've got right. to do is roll some dice. You're reprogramming games, a assen- uh, game essentially. Oh, yeah, I I spend about eighty hours during uh, af- <clears throat> our seasonal end here at the first uh, of April, and it'll be um, eighty hours that I'll put in doing everything get ready for the draft and and we usually hold that in september and then we start games the latter part of september and we go all winter long and that you know it's 23 weeks that we play in the winter and then we have uh the world series uh the playoffs in the world series and have a big party at my house um at the end of the season so it's 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 got some similar routes to like a fantasy football, but you've got more control over this. You're not just a spectator. Right. You've got an active participation point in Ab- this as well. Absolutely. This is this is blowing my mind, George. <laughs> uh, okay, so so you've got you people put together. Are they are they are fictional teams? Are they playing no. real teams? We draft. Yeah. In other words, I'm the Cincinnati Reds. I've been a Reds fan since I was a little kid, and I could listen to the ball games back when I was, you know, lived in Iowa. I think you're the first Cincinnati Reds fan I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, so we take all the major league players, and I input all their stats, both against lefties and righties, and everything, and the whole breakdown is put into the computer. 
and I do that myself. That's where it takes the 80 hours. Um, and then the players, uh, I put out a draft sheet that, that gives position by position and their stats and everything, and I distribute that to all the people that are going to be involved in the league. And then they use those uh, that information uh, for the draft day. And we draft each team gets to draft 30 players. You get 25 on your active list and five in your minors. And the first opening day, you have to play with the, your first 25. And then after that, you can call people up and down. Uh, you can make trades with the guys. We have a, the first 16 weeks, you're locked in or you, you can do whatever you want. You can call, go get free agents that are not, not that weren't drafted or uh, you can trade, and but at week 16, at midnight, after games of week 16, mm-hmm. trading deadline, trading's over. There's no, you're locked in for the rest of the season with what you have. Got it. So, so I, I, I want to kind of step, step back for a second and talk just how we found you and got you into the show here. <laughs> so... Uh, a coworker of mine is this guy named Hayden Gothy. Shout out to Hayden, uh, who used to work uh, at the forum. And one day I'm talking to him, and I'm like, "Yeah, there was this one article I read once about this guy who runs this baseball league off a of old computer software." Uh, and I, I've always been trying to find that article again. And he goes, "Yeah, I wrote that article," <laughs> which kind of blew my mind and uh, told me more about you. And then we reached out to you. Um, so. What is it about that particular software that you really li- like to latch onto? Because a lot of people out there, especially people of my generation, who are used to replacing software with the newest thing constantly over time, what is it about Micro League that made you go, no, I'm sticking with this, and I like reprogramming this and going through that process? Well, as I said, we've had several different versions um, um the first version was was uh you know very minimal in terms of what happened and and uh it, they evolved so about three about four four or five versions in is what the final uh product is okay and i don't know we just like it because of the you can see the action being played out on the field after you put your codes in, and uh, it, it feels more like, you know, a, a real game. We've got all the stadiums uh, over the years. We've got some um, old-time stadiums as well, and you can choose any of those stadiums to play in. Does it change graphically, the look on the screen? Oh, yeah. Which stadium you're yeah, in? Okay. absolutely. Very cool. Yeah, and very, you know, colorful, very, very neat. Right. So do you have to use a computer? Can you use a modern computer, or are you using old computers to <laughs> old, run the old stuff? Old computers to run the stuff. Yeah, so awesome. what happens if you know one of the computers goes kaput? Yeah, that happened. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you have, actually two of them have gone down? But I've I've able been able to. Um, well, I had about five computers to start with, and I've lost a couple, and I've gained one back, and. Uh, I got another one that my son, an old one that my son gave me, and I haven't hooked that one up yet and got that one ready to go, but I I will. 
So if you we, got some old computers out there, hook George up. He he needs yeah, to, to yeah. kind of fill up his I, supply. You know, we it. run it runs on DOS. Okay. Mm-hmm. So oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I miss using DOS because that's how I'd play Wolfenstein and Doom and, and Carmen San Diego. Carmen for me. San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> Scorched Earth. So with something like this, it's got to be uh, at least slightly difficult because there's nobody left to give tech support on anything no. like this, right? No. no, there isn't. And there's a few things on the game that I wish we could we could change. Um, I know um, somebody had talked to the people before it. <laughs> Uh, before they sold the product to another company and then they discontinued it. Um, this buying out the competition, I guess, is right. what, what's called. So um, <clears throat> they they were a little bit amazed that we were doing this. <laughs> uh, you know, and when I was at North Dakota State, I had was able to uh, utilize their computers and, and stuff like that, and I utilized, I was also the director of the North Central Conference uh, uh, Information Bureau. When that league was in uh, in effect, it's obviously no longer, it's been disbanded, although it's all coming back together in the Summit League now since uh, um, Omaha has joined and South Dakota and South Dakota State and North Dakota and North Dakota State and Augustana looks like they're going to try to get into it. Uh-huh. So That's... virtually... <clears throat> virtually everybody in the uh, old North Central Conference is coming back together. But I was the information guy, and I had software uh, Lotus package, Lotus 1, 2, 3, and that's what we use for um, compiling stats. And as you see in in there, we put out a 40-page newsletter every week. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's intense. There's a lot of, you know, and I'm just thinking – you went from a time when you were probably printing this on the paper that had like the feeder dots on the side <laughs> to now, you know, and nowadays uh, you've got uh, more modern uh, printers. So have have you been reached? Or has anyone from like the original game development reached out to you at all? Yeah, nobody has, and I don't know how to get a hold of them. I wish I did because there were a couple of different things I'd like to change on the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, when they came to the last development, they dropped – uh, a deal where you'd have pass balls and and wild pitches and box, and they dropped that because they wanted to add more graphic stuff in there and they needed more space for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we lost that. Okay. Uh, but you know, I, w- I wish there was a way we could get some of that stuff back. Right. Well, let's. Uh, you clearly love baseball. So I'm really curious as to, you know, what got you into baseball. I'm, I'm assuming you were a kid when you first got into it. That typically is the story. Oh, someone yeah. gets into that game Absolutely. when they're a kid. Do you, uh, do you remember your first game you went to or some early baseball memories? Well, one of the things was when I was a kid, um, we used to have a lot of kids in my neighborhood in Iowa, in Sioux City, Iowa. And so I used to have spinner baseball, if, if you remember that. I don't. It's a, it's a deal where they had all the players, and they had a, a circular card that you'd put in, and it had, um, oh, geez, I've got the game at home still. Oh, and I'm starting to, I can do, see you can what you're talking it, about. Yep. And, it's, and, you know, if he landed on a number one on this card, 
that was a home run and there were singles and there were outs and everything else like that so i used to have the whole neighborhood come in and we used to play we had leagues and everything we'd sit on the summertime we'd sit on the front porch and we'd play spinner baseball wow so that's kind of the way we got started uh you know and then i went on played a little baseball in uh, babe ruth and didn't play in college i was a wrestler in college but uh, had a great love for baseball, and I was, you know, always involved in some way. Uh, so that's that's kind of the way I got started. And then I came up to North Dakota State and as the sports information director and uh, for 30 years. And after about, um, oh, let's must have been, yeah, about 79, um, they had a 2-17 two and, two and season or something like that, and they um, didn't get to play a, a lot of games, and uh, the coach was uh, a graduate assistant. Actually, he, he was a graduate assistant, but he became the full-time assistant coach for basketball. And uh, so Rolf, Rolf Copperud. And so Rolf, it was tough for him. He, they didn't get to practice in the springtime because he had to be on the road with mm-hmm. uh, going recruiting basketball players and everything. So I went into the athletic director and I told uh, Dr. Sponberg, I said I'd be willing to take the team over. So I was the head coach at North Dakota State for five years and uh, was the all-time winningest uh, <clears throat> um, coach at North Dakota State when I left after five years. Uh, I stayed stayed at the university in my role. I was doing a double duty um, and kind of as a volunteer head coach at North Dakota State, and I had a good assistant coach, and and we were able to do a lot of good things. I also have to mention I was also the most, had the most losses in school history, too, so (laughs) when I left. So it's kind of, you know, a little of this, a little of that. I mean, maybe it's slightly apocryphal, you know, Babe Ruth, you know, had— a, a massive amount of home runs, but he also had a massive amount of strikeouts just because he oh, was, yeah. he was, yeah. he was taking swings all the time. You, bet. You, you had to, to be able to be that. So, I mean, obviously you not just had a love for baseball, but you had a love for simulation and stats. It seems like yeah. early on. <laughs> I know. I remember uh, coming back from a, a Texas trip with uh, our baseball team and, and I was the head coach and, and uh, my assistant coach sitting next to me, he took over after me for the next eight years. Uh, so we had a kind of a good combination together. But he's, but I remember uh, saying to him, I can hardly wait to get back because I can do these stats. You know, <laughs> and, and he says, you know, he says, what? He said, I says, that's kind of the fun part of it all. <laughs> well, and baseball is one of those games, too, where the stats really matter. Uh do you see the movie Moneyball? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I you know, I watch the movie Moneyball and I think holy moly, you know, like these guys are these guys are looking for consistency. They're not looking for someone like who's going to go up there and make some waves uh, you know, for a couple of news cycles. They're looking for people who are going to consistently play the game the way yeah. it is and that's yeah. where you get the stats tell that story. Yeah, Oakland uh the Oakland A's are uh uh kind of famous for for that with the with the stats and and that's kind of how Billy Bean started it all out right. mm-hmm. and uh that type of thing was it uh, Nate Silver who was doing that with them too that was the the statistician 
I think so. Yeah, it was based off yep. of, off of him as well. Okay, sorry. Continue. No, so, so you know that was that was kind of the deal. I mean, stats are baseball is unique in, in the things that that happen. Um, there, the, the breakdown stats wise and everything. I mean, you can do different things and and compare different eras and everything else like that. But the stats are just compelling. Mm-hmm. So when you are looking at drafting, so when you do your draft. What are you looking for when you're considering you know things for the CBL, the Computer Baseball League? Um, I think I put a in that package there. There's a uh, probably in the back in, in the back uh, cover. George, you can't see it, but George has brought two binders, uh, <laughs> yep. chock full of he's, stats. He's the most prepared guest <laughs> we've ever had. <laughs> but there's a, a, a sheet in there. It kind of gives you a little bit of a, a idea of how we draft, and and uh, I I do a little ranking uh, going into the draft, uh, rank like the tw- top twenty five players at each position, um, top twenty five starting pitchers, top twenty five uh, reliefers, uh, middle relievers, and mm-hmm. and the top twenty five closers, and so with all those items in, I give a whole package like that to everybody that's in the league and they can look at that and they can throw it out because of I've only won two titles. So I guess they figure <laughs> I'm not exactly the smartest <laughs> one in the group, but I, I give it to them as a guide as to what they can look at. And, and some people use it and some people would rather uh, figure out their own stuff, but it's there for them to look at. And that's kind of what we, we base our drafting on. So l- let me ask you this. Do you ever have people request they'd like to have players from all different eras? Oh, we've you, talked you know, putting little, into this. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it, and I've got a lot of the um, um, old-time teams, uh, all-time great teams, and, and some of the – and I've got a list of all the all-star players over the years, of Babe Ruth, the 27 Yankees, the uh, 87 Twins, uh, uh, different things like that. I mean, you can, you, I could make them, but I've also they were part of the package when we when we bought it. So um, uh, we have those. We haven't mixed them, mixed the ears like that. Everyone's going to be like, no, I want Roger Maris this year. No, I want Roger <laughs> Maris this year. What about uh, what about people who come at this thing and get addicted to it? Because I bet you you've got a lot of people who <laughs> stop by, just want to check it out for the first time, and before they know it, they're in their fifth season, and they're coming at you, and they're like, because you're the commissioner, right? You, you consider yourself the commissioner yep. of the yeah. CBL, which is awesome, by the way. Commish. Um, but you must get some people who are passionate about this. Yeah, we do. I uh, got one one guy, you know, a story he likes to tell, but is... Uh, we're having a trading deadline week 16. So at midnight, um, you can't trade anymore. You can't pick up new players. And uh, so he, his wife's having a baby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, man. I love this story already. <laughs> she has she has the baby, and then he says, I got to go to the CBL. <laughs> he says, I just got to stop by for a minute. And uh, so, he, But he's gone all night, and then she calls him and chews him out <laughs> right there when he's at the, he's at the CBL. And, you know, 
<laughs> You're supposed to be back here with me instead of. <laughs> So like on those nights, like do trades and everything have have to happen when you're all together? So no. are you are you hosting people like until midnight on that uh, on on that sixteenth week? Oh, sometimes yeah, it gets that way sometimes. But yeah, a lot of people, you know, everybody's got everybody's um, um, information, contact information. So they, you know, during the whole sixteen weeks um, that you can trade, a lot of people are are. Um, you know, talking and um, sending messages to each other and just trying to work out trades. So there's trades going on all year long. Are there rules on trades? Like, I mean, can they involve like, okay, well, uh, you know, I'll trade you this player and I'll give you a pot roast in real life. (laughs) No, no, it's just player for player. Sometimes we, uh, we shake our heads a little bit and say, why did you make that trade? You know, but we don't. We don't do, uh, uh, we don't overrule any trades or anything else like that. If they want to make them, they make them. What's your like win percentage? Just you, since you w- would be probably, are you the only person who's been in this league constantly since the founding of it? I'm the final charter member. Okay. So, what is your like win percentage over the years and of winning the God. World Series, the league? You have to make me look. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to make you look. Yeah, he pulls out the CBL history book. And so, yeah. does it culminate in a World Series? Yes, it does. Playoffs and so that's gotta be a, exciting. In playoffs and a World Series. Jeez, what uh, coming into this season, um, I had a uh, five twenty eight winning percentage. So. Not too bad. No, yeah. no. I know a lot. I know a lot of people who would be just just happy and dandy with that. Um, I want to switch over just quickly from the CBL to talk about your time at NDSU a little bit. Sure. Um, you know that's such an in, North Dakota State is such an interesting story in where it started and where it's at today. Um, obviously, uh, football has become the thing that everyone likes to talk about, and I know plenty of people who went to MSUM in Concordia who now have Bison gear because they, <laughs> you know, they want to participate on those Saturdays. But I look at baseball, basketball. I mean, even golf. NDSU's athletic program is just amazing, and it didn't just happen overnight. The people who put their blood, sweat, and tears in belief into that program over the last 40 years have really built up something. And I noticed that they're not the ones who are having arenas named after them. They're not people who are, uh, you know, uh, uh, having parade floats, but they're the ones who did a lot of that heavy lifting. And you probably worked with a lot of them over the years. You bet. I, um, long relationship. I came here in 74 and, um, uh, two uh, the head football coach and the head basketball coach. I was at the University of Northern Iowa, and <clears throat> there was a um, conference meeting down there that year. And um, the old sports information director, Del Johnson, he had heart problems, and he was being forced to to step away by his medical conditions, and so he wanted me to become the sports information director to replace him. And uh, I remember Marv Scar and Ev Gelbertson, uh, the basketball and football coach, and they came down to those conference meetings and took me, well, put me in the corner and said, uh, <laughs> we need you to come up here. 
And uh, so they kind of recruited me, and I came, and I stayed for 30 years, and I saw a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things that have happened. Um, it's been an amazing. Um, I was one of those people that <clears throat> was probably a little bit concerned about the the uh, transfer, the move to Division One. I. I always thought that football would ha- not have any problems. One double A football, not a problem. North Dakota State could compete. They did compete on that level, even though they were Division Two way back when, when I was there. We won five national championships in football while I was there. I've got rings for those. Nice. Um, and my concern was at that time was, can we compete in the other sports? Because you're, you're talking about our track and field was one of the best programs in the nation. Um, our wrestling team had won five national championships, uh, different things like that. You know, can those sports go on and compete at a Division One A level? Because that's where they're going to have to compete. Basketball has to compete with UCLA. They have to compete with Duke. Um, same way wrestling has to compete, compete with Iowa, um, Iowa State, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, Oklahoma State, those big wrestling programs. And the whole thing, you know, that was a concern. Well, uh, most of those concerns have been put to the wayside <laughs> now because they're doing a wonderful job at North Dakota State since I left. I left in 2004. You know, uh, Irv Inniger... <clears throat> was just one of the nicest people I ever met in my entire life. And he's one of those guys who I feel like had a, had a real belief in, in you know, sp- sports make, make you a better person and, like, the things that you learn during that time. I am just I, – I am amazed at what NDSU has been able to do over the years. Um, I remember going to games in the Dome in the early 2000s and you couldn't give away a ticket, you know, the, at that time to get into, you know, an NDSU game. And nowadays, you can't find a ticket to get in there. I bet you've got a good hookup, though. Anytime you want to go to a football game, you know somebody who gets you a ticket. Well, actually, um, sports information director now for, uh, well, the women's sports information director uh, was um, uh, Jeff Schwartz, and Jeff's still there. Um, and, um, Ryan Peralt is, was my grad assistant when I left and he took over the position. Can you, uh, I'm, uh, not a sports guy, but I am a super nerd, which is why this is scratching <laughs> an itch for me. But can you kind of fill out for me what more of what a sports information director does? Like what is the purview of that role? Uh, a difficult role. It's gotten more difficult in the uh, years since I've left because of uh, technology that's been involved and in, in all the things that they've got to do. But when I was there, <clears throat> obviously, it was things like press releases, game programs. Uh, we used to produce a 140-page game program for every home football game and a 50-page or 48-page program for uh, – um, basketball, different things like that. So you had to do those things. It's game site management. Uh, you're in charge of 
statistics. You're in charge of uh, making sure you've got a stats crew and and you make all the calls in terms of uh, like at, at a football game. Uh, I would have an internal mic in the uh, stadium and every call is made by me and um, you know any decisions or discussions or anything that needs to be like where's the ball marked at okay. how many yards were gained on this different things like that so you you kind of you're the host got it and you make sure that everybody's taken care of whether it be a visiting media or your media um, all those different things at a event site so you're in charge of all that um I suppose, you know, a lot of different projects that uh, need to be taken care of. I know when the Fargo Dome was put together, I was on that uh, um, uh, steering committee. Um, But uh, one of the things that uh, happened, we updated things in the Fargo Dome where we put banners and uh, pictures in there. And there was a company out of Minneapolis that came up and and, uh, spent weeks up here with me and we went through all our files and everything, and they, we selected what we wanted to put in the dome and, and have on the walls uh, of, you know, I think we got like a quarter of the of the dome at that time. I don't know. I haven't been in the dome lately, so I don't know what they've done differently. But well, all kinds of different projects. And like, the, I mean, the changes in what the Bison Sports Arena was to yeah. the shack yeah. now, I mean... They've they've made some pretty amazing leaps. Yep. Uh, over the years, um, can you remember a, an athlete who really stands out in your mind? Somebody who just you know embodied their sport and sportsmanship. Oh, geez, there's so many. I mean, different. That's things. a good answer, yeah. though, right? Like, yeah. are, you, are you talking professional sports or someone you worked I'm with? About somebody or... worked with, worked with, you know, a student at one point. Um, Jeff Bentram, quarterback, who was a uh, uh, Harlan Hill winner, our first Harlan Hill winner uh, as the nation's top player. He went on and played in the Canadian Football League, and then uh, uh, I was privileged to be um, with him in uh, uh, South Bend, Indiana, when uh, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, so it was, it was kind of fun. He was a a terrific individual to be involved with uh, just so many other different ones. Uh, golly, I can't, you know, basketball's had so many great players that I, I, I had fun with and been involved with and um, uh, right on down the line. It's, 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 uh, well, we had a pitcher when I left in 2004 was a junior and had uh, outstanding him I and he was, throwing 97 miles an hour and uh yeah yeah so he ended up pitching in the in the major leagues uh as a reliever closer really uh yeah and uh he was um, oakland a's i think and i think there was another team he pitched for seems to me so at that time i mean he was our first major league player was it fun to input him into the CB? Did he make the CBL? Like as a uh, yeah, player? He did. Yeah, he did. Oh, that's yeah. kind of fun. That's pretty cool. You bet. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, I think I can't remember who drafted him, but yeah, he was there. Um, so 
Yeah, it's Stacy Robinson who played for the New York Giants and won a couple Super Bowls with them as a wide receiver, and he was an outstanding uh, young man. And golly, I just you know just really liked him. Uh, came up as a skinny option quarterback, and uh, oh, coaches in their wisdom knew that he'd get killed at a hundred and. 60 pounds, 165 pounds, so they moved into wide receiver, and he flourished there, and he was, uh, he ran 4-2-5. I remember we we were playing at Cal Davis, and um, we throw a touchdown pass to him, 70 yards, and and he just blew by everybody on the Cal Davis team, and uh, the guys, the sports writers and everything in the press box, I what the heck, how fast is he? And I said, Four two five, and they said, I mean, they'd never heard of anybody yeah. going running four two five. <laughs> and he was, you know, he was an All American on the track field as well, and then went on and 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 uh, was drafted, and played five years for the New York Giants. Could you help sort of shed some light uh, back onto the, the the software itself on how it how it works with say you have I'm just going to say Babe Ruth just as a name, but you've got Babe Ruth, and does that player in the software then have like a percentage of successful hits and and those successful hits have this percentage to be a home run or not and then it basically runs the numbers at any given moment to see how well they do i mean is that part of the strategy or are 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 players more or less on an even field in the game no 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 they're not on an even field okay yeah, you're right. Percentages and strategy. That's that's one of the cool things about the game because uh, you can sit there and say, oh, this guy that at the plate uh, hits right-handers really well, but he doesn't hit left-handers very well. And so I come in with a left-handed reliever. Okay. You know, that's somebody right. that— you're, you're playing their stats. You're yeah. essentially playing their stats, right? Right. Huh. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and just like any good manager would on a actual baseball team. Absolutely. Then when you're so when you're then entering new players, you're looking at like how they did that past year, their their real world yeah. stats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're this year right now, um, because we draft in September and early September, we can't use the 2018 stats. We're using the 2017 stats. Okay. Now, our next draft will be uh, based on the the season that just ended, 2018. Mm-hmm. So uh, we know a couple of mutual people who've played this, and I remember uh, Dan Halleck telling me about, about this, and I think at one point he told me that he had like nothing short of like 2,000 pieces of paper at his house that were all CBL related. Wouldn't surprise me. Killed killed a couple of young forests at some point probably. Um, Who are you looking for to join this league? We're always looking for somebody. Um, You know, we have – I don't like to go lower than 10, and we've had as many as 16 people. So, you know, 12 – 12 is really nice. I like to have 12. That gives you two six-team leagues, and you got a little interleague play, and uh, so it, it's kind of fun. But 10 works really well. Yeah. Um, do, 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 have you been approached with somebody who says, like, 
so-and-so knows somebody who wants to be a part of this league and you only meet, you only know them really through the computer baseball league? Yeah, you know, um, Jack Michaels just told me um, on Wednesday night that um, he knows somebody that really would be interested in playing and he says we ought to get in touch with him. So, so you know, there's there's one guy there that then I, I reach out to some of the older guys that have played and uh, are no longer in the league, but for various reasons, and try to see if they are still interested in coming back. And and because uh, I'd I'd like to keep you know every year it seems like we lose one or two guys. Sure. You know for various reasons. Um, you know family life intervenes. You know. Yeah. You know I have one guy that that came into the league two years ago and. And then he had to back out last year because of, he had to take care of his mother. He was living with his mother, and and she her health reasons and everything. Well, she died, and um, I went to the funeral, and his sister come running over to me, and she says, "You got to make sure that he's in the league next year. <laughs> Keep him active." So we did, and uh, he came back, and he just he just loves it. You know, I you always hear stories about how. Doing something like the crossword puzzle is is really good just for your brain. Yeah, just just to keep it active and to be and to be reading and thinking. And to me, thinking about stats and talking about stats and players and forming strategies like that, I think does that even better. I mean, I I don't have baseball as a reference, but I've 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 been a nerdy superhero kid ever <laughs> since I was a little kid. And I used to collect superhero cards. And on the backs of those cards, they had stats. They would come up with, they would just make up, you know, stats for, oh, their strength level, oh, their mental prowess. And then me and my nerdy friends, we would debate, you know, who would win in a fight, this guy or that guy. Well, look at the stat he's got right here. This, this, this wouldn't do it. So what is it, and this is a question for both of you, what is it about having that sort of common ground discussion that you can sort of debate over something that doesn't actually exist? right but is incredibly real and fun and engaging to deal with that's a good question i think it's sort of so you're a baseball fan and if you weren't a baseball fan you probably wouldn't be doing this computer league because you're a fan it's fun to fill that time i mean we're outside of the normal baseball season obviously that's why you do it during this time is so that you get baseball year round right and so it it's sort of fun i think everyone is every good fan is at one point or another an armchair coach right yep. like they look yep. at it and they go yeah god you know what what are you doing you know like you you pull pull them out you know it's time for a relief pitcher and now you actually get to make those decisions. Yeah. And then you win or lose based on the decisions you make. And so I think people really enjoy that that kind of aspect of being a being a part of it. You bet. It it is. It's uh it's fascinating, especially when you're trying to judge yourself against somebody else's team and, and you know, what you know. For me it's fun to be able to play somebody like Paul Molitor's on my team this year. Okay. And, uh, it, you know, it's just uh, Jose Barrios from the Twins is on my team, and he leads our league in ERA right now. Um, you know, he's having a great season. So it's kind of fun to be able to play those people and utilize them and put them in, in spots and see what they can do. And uh, it, it's just a fascination. It, I mean, it is really cool. So 
do you know did the company who made uh micro league baseball make any other sports related like did they do a football version they did and did did you ever have any inkling to try no, that out uh, jeff schwartz at north dakota state uh we were in the same office together and and uh, he had the football version i do believe if i remember right uh, but i never played the, the football uh portion of it so i you know so you never know where a <clears throat> podcast is going to end up but i really hope that one of the engineers from this original game f- hears it and reaches out to you because i think that that's a you know to find out that somebody is still using something that they built 32 years ago yeah i think is really really amazing and you know they're probably interested in seeing where it where it's come to and you know a lot of video games for lack of a better descriptor today don't have the ability that you have with micro league baseball to constantly keep it updated i mean heck you're 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 creating the stadiums along with it the ballparks themselves and so you know if i go out and buy um, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball today, which I don't even know if they make that series anymore. Probably not. No, because I don't because he does not uh, play anymore. He does not. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they still make Madden football. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, because <laughs> John Madden was a legend, right? Yeah. Uh, but if I go out and buy Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball from two thousand two, I can't change it. Uh, you know, I can yeah. play the games over and over, but I, right. I can't change it. It will never update. It'll never have. You know, uh, newer players, and so it's what you've got here is so unique, George. Yeah, it is, it is. I, you know, and that's one of the things you try to. I've looked at different games and tried to, you know, think, you know, would we want to get this? I bought a couple of different ones, but they don't hold um, the attention that you want, like mm-hmm. like this game does. This game allows you to see what's happening right now in front right. of you and allows you to, to make those decisions. Uh, a couple different things you'd like to see a little bit better. I'd like to see, be able to say, uh, hey, if, uh, if a guy's coming around third base, I'd like to be able to push a button and hold him instead of you know, right. you know letting the computer make that decision as sure. to whether he's going to try and score or not. And, and uh, you know, the other guy, whether... A defensive guy would be nice to have a button where he could push and he could say, well, I'm going to try and throw it a second instead and right. let the run score, but I'm going to try and get that that other runner. You well, know, different things like that. Well, you know, JJ and I both grew up with Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. These older style game graphics are much simpler than what we have now, which is pretty hyper-realistic now. But part of the charm of those games was that um, in much the same way that a book as you fill in with your own imagination and your own mind more of the action that's going on. Yeah, I watched a video of the graphics from Micro League and they're they're, you know, DOS nineteen eighty five style graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're just enough to give you a basis of knowing what's going on, but then your imagination kind of fills in the gaps. And I actually enjoy that a lot more than a lot of the games now where it just everything is there for you and it's sensory overload. Yeah. I used to play Final Fantasy games on Super Nintendo and they had no voice acting, they had no you know uh, CG. It was these little sprites with text and I loved those games because <laughs> I was filling in with my imagination uh, the action. Does uh, 
Are there any environmental aspects to micro league baseball? Like mm. rain, ever, yeah. Snow. I mean, do they ever you know wind or anything like that, or is every day a beautiful day at the ballpark? <laughs> the first one, <laughs> the first version. They uh, had a rain delay every once in a while, and all the players would run off the field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they, they'd, they'd pause for a couple of seconds, and then they'd all run back on and say, yeah, you, sunshine's back, and you know. But uh, that was just the first-year version after that. That was never on there again. That, was, that would be interesting, though. Like, well, now everything's <clears throat> wet, so that's going to you know change yeah. like how yeah. well they can run from base to base. And, yeah, that'd be interesting having weather – uh, yeah, just in different environmental factors, you know, like, yeah. oh, there's a lot of birds today. Right, or or the ump is, like, is blind, right? Like, can you have bad, <laughs> you can't really have bad umps in this game, can you? Uh, well, there'd be some question on that. <laughs> Come to a computer baseball league night and uh, listen to some of the guys yell and scream at the computer because it did something they didn't like. I used to play NHL 94 and 95 on Sega Genesis, which I believe had an autoplay feature, too. So you could just oh, yeah? pit two teams against each other and then just watch them play, I believe, which I did do a lot. But um, because it was hockey, they kept the fights. Like, there were fights that the, 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 oh, sure, that yeah. the, the players could oh, get yeah. into. Yeah. And so, I mean, does Micro League, do the base, like, do the benches ever clear? Like, is there ever, like, a mass mob into the center? In the, or do you guys first, just do that? In the first version, it did. Really? Yeah, but after that, it it didn't. See, I'm more <laughs> interested in what's happening in the, like, you know, in your own home. Like, do you have Jack Michaels and Cole Pack, like, kicking the rug at each other, <laughs> you know, saying, like, that was definitely a strike. That was definitely a strike. I have a few holes in my ceiling from Jack Michaels where he throws the pin up and it yep. sticks in the ceiling. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've had a few of those. But uh, you know, we have a, I have a rule. It's in the, in the uh, newsletter, but we have a rule in there that uh, it costs you 25 cents if you swear. Okay. And There's no swearing in baseball. Jack Michael's very creative because we say that if you <laughs> can do it all in one breath, you can have more than one swear word. So he puts he puts a, a bunch of them together. A bunch in of one them together for twenty five cents. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me one iota with Jack Michaels. Um, He's, you know, he's a great guy too. Oh, Isn't he terrific. just a great guy? Terrific. And funny. Yeah. And when he makes a meal, does he bring it in his crock pot who he's named Karen? Uh, no. He, he names usually his crock pot Karen? Yeah. He usually, yeah. <laughs> Must be some crock pot. Oh, he he and Karen definitely have a great relationship. Yes, she makes the best pot do. roasts. He usually brings uh, chicken from someplace. Oh, uh, you know, sure. He, He'll uh, get something. In. He's got those dietary restrictions. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, when Jack's coming, you're not going to have anything that's ketchup-based, no, no tomato stuff. And every time he comes out, if uh, somebody forgets that uh, Jack needs a little extra, my wife's always there ready to feed him. So he's he's a special so person. Let's, uh, 32 years into this, what does your wife think about this? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Some days she's not real happy with us, but <laughs> so I, I bring this up because you know when I get together with my friends and we'll do something like play Dungeons and Dragons, and it takes four hours worth of time. She is not very pleased with me at the end of it, 
And I think it's partially because she just, she that's just not what she likes. It's not her thing. So yeah. has no. your wife ever played in the league or is this something that no. she's not interested no, in? No, my son plays in the league. My daughter played in the league for three or four years. Um, but um, no, my wife hasn't played. I've threatened to. And, uh, to recruit her, but she hasn't. She she enjoys the uh, uh, the comrades uh, comradeship or uh, camaraderie. What, camaraderie. That's what I'm looking for. She enjoys that because she's she's around. She helps a little bit in the kitchen, and everybody comes up, and we have a you know, like I say, the first group plays at six thirty, and about six about seven forty five. We go upstairs, and the other group is coming, and we're all together, and we eat, and she's uh, she's there, and she helps out, and she gets to chat with everybody, and the whole works. Sure. Like, she should look at it this way. I mean, you could be at a casino instead. Yeah. You could be. I told her I could be at the bar all night on yeah. Wednesday nights. Yeah, this is much better. <laughs> so, uh, as this goes forward, you, I mean, you put in a, a significant amount of time for this. I mean, your your newsletter alone must you know take you quite a quite a while to put that thing together. Yeah, I like to have that out by Sunday night. So, you know, I start on Wednesday night as soon as everybody's gone. I start inputting all the stats uh, into the uh, Lotus package so, and put that all together. And um, you know, then it takes you know it depends upon whether I'm on the road uh, driving for. Uh, uh, car company here in town, a dealership, or whether I have maybe have something else going on. But I try to work that through on Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays, and then finish up on Sunday and then get that 40-page newsletter out to everybody. So d- does this change? Th- like, you can't really vacation much during the winter, huh? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Do you take some Wednesdays off, or are you back? You plan around being out there we usually, on Wednesdays? We usually try to take uh, two Wednesdays off over Christmas and New Year's. Well, that's de- smart. Depending how that works out. But, yeah, this year it's only one. We we took one week off. but um, and, and then when we get near the end of the season, <clears throat> uh, the last five weeks of the season are – only in your league, and there's no interleague play. Oh, okay. So everybody in that last five weeks gets one week off. So, you know, we stagger it. Every, You know, one National League, one American League team are idle this week, and it'll be two other teams will be idle next week and, you know, down the line. So okay. that's kind of the way we stagger it. And I, I was actually like, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm looking at the sheet that's got all the champions on it, and I was compiling a number, and then I was, oh, I should have just read the summary up on top. It's telling me exactly what I was <laughs> compiling. So your son is Josh. Yep. So Josh looks like is the winningest. He's the winningest. Um, manager. Winningest manager. He's won more uh, titles. I think he's won eight titles over the 32 years. Oh, boy. Yeah, so according yeah. to this, the 27, yeah, you're right. No, I, I'm counting seven here. Seven, oh, seven? seven titles that he's okay. won. And then he's two ahead of both Jim Peterson and Kyle Richardson, who each have five. Yep, right. But Kyle had almost a four-year running streak, Yeah, uh, uh, broken up right at the beginning by Sam Martin for one. But uh, So, I mean, Josh, what is it about Josh? He's got the secret sauce to make him such a winning manager. You know, I don't know. He, I know one thing he doesn't like 
my cheat sheets there. That, oh, really? Uh, my draft yeah. sheets that I put out. He he uh, rather do his own, so <laughs> I let him. Oh, sure. I give him the unranked sheets, and then he gets his own. So he does really well. He's he's uh, sharp. He knows the game, and and. Uh, works at it well i mean that's that's pretty awesome too that he's that devoted to it because i mean this could be a generational thing you know going forward i mean that would be fantastic (laughs) to to, to see the cbl make it to its you know 60th year or something like that i don't i don't think anybody's gonna put the uh or have the time to put into it uh, you never know you never know we'll see (laughs) uh have you guys ever done baseball cards for each other like have you ever made custom baseball cards like a George Ellis card as the manager? Uh, no, I haven't. I've done, I've done baseball cards though for Fargo American Legion. Really? Uh, baseball. What we've done is uh, we, we, I used to do a banquet. That uh, we still do the banquet, but I for ten years I I started it. <clears throat> in uh, I was on the board of directors, and we. Uh, we bring in, brought in like what seven Hall of Fame, manage, uh, seven Hall of Fame players uh, from uh, Major League Baseball to be our speakers over those ten years. Um, you know, so uh, when we did that, we made and we brought in guest uh, people from baseball from all around the region, whether it be uh, uh, baseball, college baseball coaches. Um, um, just different people from different places, and we made baseball cards, okay. and we had them out on the tables. You know, when we had three or four hundred people coming to the event, and uh, so I had all these baseball cards for all these guests. We usually had about forty or so guests, and so I had. Yeah, it was fun making those cards. I think you guys should do some for the CBL. Like, you <laughs> know, that'd be, just like, that'd like be absolutely, be absolutely. And you could have, uh, you know, people from the from past. Yeah, sure. eras of the league oh, who are playing now. Sure, yeah. They could each have a card. Um, my dad, his side hustle has always been playing Oli at the Red Hawks, yeah. one of the mascots of the Red Hawks. And I remember him getting his first baseball card as Oli, and us thinking that that was just so cool. And now you've yeah, got a strong, cool. con- you have a strong connection to the Red Hawks too, right? You were telling me before. Yeah, I um, I was the um, official scorer the first couple of years uh, with the Red Hawks, and. Um, uh, my my daughter was the uh, ticket manager for four years. Uh, after she got out, of, she went to uh, NDSU and graduated there and then went to UMass and got her master's degree there in sports administration. Okay. Then she uh, worked for the Timberwolves for a couple of years in their office, in their public relations office, and, and then came back to Fargo and was four years as the uh, ticket manager for the Red Hawks. Okay. Yep. It's real, real uh, sports information is really in your family. It is. My wife got, um, I remember back in when, when uh, Maureen Zimmerman was with WDAY and WDAY had our coaches show and everything and they did little features. And so uh, Maureen did a, a feature on uh, my wife as she was in the press box and she typed the play by play and. She asked her how you got involved. She says, well, if I ever wanted to see him, I better figure out what I can do at a game. <laughs> so she typed she typed play-by-play for football and basketball uh, all those years that I was at North Dakota State. 
Oh, and well, before awesome. that, at Northern Iowa and uh, Morningside College. So, <laughs> so it looking back on thirty-two years of CBL, it's it's got to be something that's pretty pretty awesome. Like, so that first year that you got the league together, were you thinking like, well, this will just be something fun that we do once, and then someone's like, this is a lot of fun. We should do this again next year. When did it become something where you're like, okay, well, this thing's got longevity to it? Yeah, I think somewhere along the lines, um, that first year was kind of a, a feeling out year. And I know Bucky Burgau from Concordia was with us that first year. And um, it, it was different. We didn't do quite the, the same way. You know, we learned mm-hmm. as we started out and different things that we do. Uh, so I think after the second or third year um we we thought you know this is pretty good we're going to keep keep this going what happens like uh what happens during strike years like what does that do to your stats after that you know good question i don't remember uh, did we have a strike I, I During can't, this period, I was we five years old when you started, yeah. so I, it'd be hard for me to remember during I, that. I mean, I remember a big baseball strike uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, um, for almost an, I mean a season. I think I think we just lost. Yeah, a season. I think we did. So and, but I can't remember what we did with stats. Whether we, uh, I mean, the nice thing is you could just use the previous year's stats. Yeah, again, yeah. if you needed to. You bet. You bet. And we so. probably did. I mean, Good I question, guess, though. I don't remember. I mean, maybe that's like, oh, I guess we can get three seasons in this year yeah. <laughs> since there's no baseball going on. Um, you, do you like going to the ballparks in real life? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Any favorites? I've seen just about every major league stadium, uh, with the exception of probably Yankee Stadium and, and maybe Toronto. Uh, but, yeah, do I have a favorite? Um you know the Twin Stadium is really nice. Target Field. Target Field is re- I Cleveland. I really like Cleveland Stadium. Um, golly, I you know I've been to so many of them. I can't. Uh, uh, I mean that's a good problem to have to yeah, not be able to remember yeah. which stadium is your favorite. And and the Reds. I've been to. I've been to Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati's had several different stadiums. Now. Uh, you know, Riverfront, and uh, now they got the new one, um, All American, uh, Great American right. Ballpark. Yeah, we've had a few former guests uh, on the podcast: John Lamb from the Forum, Greg Carlson from Concordia, who <clears throat> uh, both sort of think about in their retirement wanting to just visit as many baseball stadiums yep. as they can. I know Greg does it now, and John does it now whenever they get a chance to, and that really seems like. Um, I mean, I know, you know, fans of any particular sport are going to revere the places that that the sport, the sports take place. Lambeau Field being, you know, one massive one. Um, But it really does seem like baseball has a different, excuse me, place in the culture of uh, of being uh, just a just a part of the DNA of so many people's upbringing that that these places seem to be up on a pedestal. Yeah, Fenway and um, and Wrigley Field, uh, those places were really neat. You know, in my profession as a sports information director, we had a uh, convention every summer uh, 
and we'd travel all around the country, different places every year, and that was kind of neat. And so we got to go to all these ballparks, you know, for thirty some years. I went to I went to everywhere. I mean, we got we got special uh, privileges or treatment, whatever. You know, the Red Sox. We got to go into their back inside the inside the uh, scoreboard, and you got to go into the locker rooms. They'd you know um, take you up to the press box, and they'd feed you, and the whole works. So, you know, we had a at that time our groups were a lot smaller. Uh, you know, two, three hundred, maybe four hundred. Uh, as it goes on now, they're getting over a thousand at their conventions. Wow! So it's um, yeah. We used to have a lot of fun going to all these different stadiums. Uh, you know, whether it be football or I remember at um, the Boston, uh, we went to the Boston Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was their Schaefer Stadium, I think, was when they had a big deal underneath the grandstand. They had all these pots, boiling water, and the lobsters, and they were dumping them oh, in there. Oh, man. A oh, big God. lobster feed for everybody. Uh, so you, you had that type of deal. I know we went to, uh, in L.A., we got to go to... Uh, uh, the Rose Bowl, and we had to. They had really. They had food for us set out there. We had got to go to the, the tournament of roses parade uh, house and go through all that, and then you'd get to go and eat in the stadium at the the Rose Bowl. And, Favorite stadium food? What's your stadium food of choice? Oh, geez, I don't. know. I think I'd go for hamburger or pizza. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty pretty simple. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? It's consistent, right? right. That's the yeah. nice thing. That's yeah. the nice thing about it. It's good consistency. You say I'll go with a hot dog. Well, by golly, you know, if you depending on where you go, hot dogs mean different things. So, like in Chicago, you go yeah. there and you don't get a Chicago dog. They look at you a little crooked. Uh, so, but a, ha- a hamburger is a hamburger, no you matter bet. where you go. Every Red Hawks game for me, it's brats and it's the warmed up peanuts in the shell, yeah, which oh, I yeah. love, and then it's the fried donuts. You know what I've never oh, yeah. had, but I'm told is really good are the where you put the the peanuts in a Coke. What? Never had that. Have what you ever seen that? In the South, they put they take peanuts, salted peanuts, and they put it in Coca Cola in the shell or just the nuts? Uh, just the nuts. Really? Yeah. yeah. And huh, so it's a, huh. it's yeah, apparently it's huge down there. Never even heard of that, but yeah. I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah, and I've also uh, boiled peanuts. Have you ever had boiled peanuts? No, mm. you're <laughs> just making stuff up. I'm right? not. I'm not. I'm telling you. <laughs> you go to the Red Hawks. I like um, uh, the donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, and I just like watching them on the conveyor yeah. belt as it goes down and just oof. yeah, it's so good. So when you go see a live baseball game, is it sort of just, you know, is it a little slice of heaven on earth for you? Like you get to sit there and watch and do yeah, you always... I find myself second guessing all the time. Yeah. What why, do you mean? Did, why did he make that decision? Why is he doing that? You know, what? I wouldn't do it that way. Uh, you know, different things like that. So, Does do anyone pick... run a micro league of minor league players that you know of no. that can graduate and get into your no. major league computer league? <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that. Uh, well, you know, George, uh, thank you very much for your time today. We got to wrap this thing up. Um, if people, if, if someone listens to this and they're interested in getting a hold of you because, A, they're an engineer of the game and they say, like, don't worry, I can send you a new package. 
or they're interested in maybe joining your league, is there a way to get a hold of you? Sure, absolutely. Uh, George, E-L-L at MSN.com is uh, my email address. Super. So uh, that's the easiest way of getting a hold of me. Otherwise, you, you know, I have a telephone number too. Uh, 701-200-1939. So, All right. Go Reds. Go Reds. Big Reds. I hope the Big Red machine's coming back. It looks like they're making some trades and doing some things this year. Maybe they're going to get better. I hope I buy the television package, um, extra innings package, so I can watch the Reds games all summer long. And for a while there, it gets really hard to do it <laughs> when they play so bad. I, I'm I'm a I'm a diehard uh, Cubs fan, and for a lot of years it was a an exercise in futility to be a fan of them. So, and then yeah. they finally get a good year. So, uh, and now we expect that uh, on the regular. But we're like, listen, once every hundred years, guys. Just you know, once every hundred years. So, uh, George, thanks so much for being a guest on JJ Meets World. You bet. Thank you. A huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring this podcast. Folks, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, contact Natalie Deutsch today because Natalie Deutsch is not only a previous podcast guest, she's somebody who's going to care enough to sell your property for top dollar. She's also going to find you the best price possible if you're purchasing a new home. Last year on average, Natalie earned her clients $4,000 over list price on their homes and sold them faster than the market average. On average, Natalie's selling a home every 3.74 days. That's two homes a week. Those numbers don't lie. Find out why Natalie is one of the top agents in this entire market. Get a hold of her today, Natalie at HatchRealtyFM.com. You can also call 701-388-9338 or go on to LiveFargoMoorhead.com. That's LiveFargoMoorhead.com. Read all of her amazing reviews and then listen to her episode of JJ Meets World. Thanks again to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode of JJ Meets World and would like to help us continue to produce two new episodes every week, you can donate to our Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash JJ Meets World and donate today. Even as little as a dollar a month can go a long way. Visit our website at www.jjmeetsworld.com or hit up our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the sites the kids are using these days. If you'd like to stay up to date on new episodes of JJ Meets World, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by checking out www.moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, go to linebenders.com, and you can find direct contact info for JJ. 120 three-ply tissues, mouchoirs, ultra softness, dependable strength. Am I reading the back of a condom or a box of Kleenex? Kleenex. Kleenex.